All right, so we've been in this series, 12 Habits for Holiness. We're on week 10, believe it or not. We're rolling through it. And uh, man, it's been an incredible series. We've been talking about what these habits uh, are and what they look like, prayer, worship, Bible study, all these different things. And this morning, we're talking about uh, submission and everybody's favorite topic. And uh, we're talking about the habit uh, of submission. Now, Now here, in our culture, Submission is almost always used as a negative term, right? MMA, if you, if you, you know, you get a submission move put on you and you tap out, you lose, right? In, uh, in, you know, when you were growing up, maybe you made your brothers and sisters uh, submit to you in some way, you know, bend their arm behind their back until they say uncle or something. I don't know. But, uh, you know, in, in every context, culturally, even in marriage, oftentimes, according to culture, uh, not, not the Bible, and that's what we're going to talk about, but according to culture, that submission is the one who, whoever submits is inferior. And, uh, and so it's almost always used in a negative context in every, you know, atmosphere that we've been in. But also I want to argue that uh, submission is uh, almost always used negatively in a lot of church contexts as well. And I think it's probably because it's been taught wrongly and not probably has been taught wrongly. And we'll talk about that a little bit today. Uh, but oftentimes, and, and you've seen this and, and, and oftentimes the church gets a bad rap for this, but a lot of times people will use this idea of submission, a misinterpretation of the Bible, but this idea of submission to really uh, abuse or oppress or uh, you know just uh, exploit individuals, right? And, 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 and begin to either in the, either in the context of marriage or spiritual leadership, uh, can really kind of take this word submission and twist it to mean something that it doesn't in fact mean. And, uh, and so I think contrary to those ways of teaching, I think the Bible, uh, says something different uh, about submission. Now the, the word submission comes from a, from a Greek word called hupotasso and hupotasso is made up of two words, hupa and tasso and tasso just means to set or to place, whereas hupa means under. And so this is set or to place under. So the word submission is set or to place under. Now, the Greeks would use this in military context when they would place soldiers under, hupotasso, under uh, an officer. And so they would, they would place soldiers under the command of, of a higher-ranking officer. Uh, or in non-military context, the word was used for uh, basically voluntary attitudes of cooperating or giving in, uh, these kinds of things. So, so the Bible, uh, when it uses the word hupotasso, when it uses the word submission, never assumes that that submission is forced. It's never a forced submission. It's always uh, in your own volition that you, you are willingly submitting yourself under something else, uh, that you are giving yourself uh, to, to that uh, authority and submitting yourself to that authority. Now, where there is abuse, where there's, you know, uh, oppression, where there's exploitation and submission, that is not biblical. And, and so if those things, you see those things happening, whether in spiritual headship leadership in the home or in the church or in other uh, context, uh, that is not how the Bible has intended for that submission to be. This biblical submission is freely uh, relinquishing your uh, desire, your, your, your rights and your desires to have things your way. This is what submission submission is. It's really a self-denial, right? And I think I'm going to argue it's not just in, in relationships as in the marriage or in the workplace, but I'm going to argue, and I think Paul argues, that we are to be submissive to all. We are to be a submissive individual to all, to all people. 
And uh, if you've got your Bibles, Ephesians 5.21 is where I'm going to be. And we're, I think we're supposed to do that in all of our lives. But, you know, he's about to go and explain a lot of relational context. He's going to explain uh, marriage relationship. He's going to explain children to parents uh, or even work uh, environments. And, and, and laced throughout this is this idea of submission. And if you look at 5.21, uh, kind of the end of his charge to people before he gets in the particulars, he says that we are submitting to one another out of reference for Christ, that we're to submit to submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, what does that mean? Who are the one another's there? Who is he talking about? Is it just our boss? Is it just our spouse? Who is he talking about? Again, I want to argue that I think Paul's point here is that we're to submit to, to everyone in every sphere of life. Now, healthy submission uh, again, if, if someone, uh, like for instance, there are times where the apostles don't submit to the government, right? The government tried to shut them down from preaching the gospel. When those things go against the Bible or God, they have a healthy civil disobedience, right? Uh, so to speak. And, and so, so I'm, and just interlace to the message here, healthy context, all right? Right biblical context when we're talking about submitting to things. Now, look. Uh, he then goes on to talk about particulars. Verse 22, he says, wives are to submit themselves to their husbands as the head or leader of their families. This is trusting that God's design is for the family is best. Uh, verse 25, he goes on and says, husbands are to submit themselves to their wives by sacrificing themselves for their wives' emotional, spiritual, and physical good. Obviously, this does abdicate your role as the leader or the spiritual head of your family. Uh, this forsaking is putting to death your own preferences and your desires for her welfare. That's what that submitting looks like. As Christ died for the church, that's how you're supposed to submit and die for your own spouse. And then he goes on, the beginning of 6, 6 1 says, Children are to submit, to themselves, submit themselves to their parents by obeying them and honoring them. Thought I'd get an amen there. Yeah. Ephesians 6, 4 says fathers are to submit themselves to their children. What that looks like is about getting off the couch and engaging your children, disciplining your children, instructing your children, encouraging your children. This is what it looks like to submit to your children. Uh, verse 5 says bond servants, or in our context would be employees. I think it's applicable uh, that we practice submission to the, um, the employer by serving them as we would serve Christ. Um, not serving to, to, to be seen or to get a promotion for eye service, but to serve them even when no one's looking, to serve who we work for as we would serve Jesus. Um, six, chapter 6, verse 9 uh, says, Masters or employers need to practice submission by treating their employees with care and respect rather than fear and intimidation. So submission isn't something merely we do um, in, in, in marital relationships or just to bosses. It should encompass every relationship that we're a part of. We should submit uh, to one another as, as Paul has challenged us to submit to one another. Now, uh, some clarity here because in our culture, I think it's important to note, we live in a very um, self-centered culture. And by that, I mean, there's, you, could, you could get on Google and type in self-worth or, uh, or self-value and you will have 
countless articles to read on how, you know, you, know, you, you, and you can go to any bookstore, that, the ones that are still left, and get a magazine that are still left and begin to read, uh, you know, of how you can improve your self-worth or think more highly of yourself or be better or self-improvement or these kinds of things. And the idea for our culture of submission is almost equated to self-hate. Like you, because our culture says, no, 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 don't you bow to anyone else. You raise up, you, you get above that, you be better than that, you be stronger than that. You, you, you don't say that, you don't say no to this, you don't say yes to that just because someone's calling you to do that. No, 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 you are bigger than that. And if you do anything less than fight for your own self, you hate yourself. And I don't think that's a, a biblical view of self or submission. Submission simply means that we release the desire to get our way. We release it. And, and, and it means holding others' interests above our own interests. This is what submitting to one another means. Now, I, I told you earlier that, um, you know, that the world and many in the church almost always use submission in a, in a negative way. Did you know that the scriptures almost always use it in a positive way? This is how upside down this word and this concept has become in our culture. Uh, it's almost always used as a positive in the scripture. And whereas, you know, even this morning in our, you know, the people that serve and get here early to serve uh, on Sunday mornings will gather together at 830 to pray. And one of the ways that we close out our meetings, just a goofy thing that we do, is we'll break it down on something. And so there'll be something, somebody will say something silly joke or whatever. And that'll be the thing we break it down on. Well, when we don't come up with something, usually I'll say, well, I'm preaching about this. Let's break it down on this. So today was submit. So I was like, all right, we're going to break it down on submit. And on the count of three, one, two, three, submit. And everybody's like, yeah, okay. Uh, but then at the end of that, there was an awkwardness because it's like, oh no, submit. Like who am I submitting to? Who's submitting to me? What, what is, I don't know what I just, you know, screamed out. Am I going to get in trouble for talking about submission? I don't know. There's like this tension with the word because in our context, in our culture, it's almost always seen as negative, almost always seen as negative. And I want to argue today that submission based on the Bible, because it's almost exclusively used as a positive, but also that uh, it's a good thing for you. And, it, and it'll bring blessings to you. And uh, I want to really give you three examples of how submission blesses us, how, how being submissive to one another blesses us. So the first one is this. First, submission is a blessing. And, and I, I wrote this a particular way, so I want you to hear it. Submission is a blessing because it frees us from the burden of always getting our way. It frees us, hear me, from the burden of always getting our way. We have, myself included, an obsession with always getting our way. Don't we? I mean, we get so frustrated when things don't go our way, when something goes against us or outside of our expectation, we get so frustrated, right? Just me? Yeah, it's just me, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, we get frustrated we, and, and it throws us off and, we're, and, and we begin to say, okay, uh, you know, and, and this is why too, and, and I'm 
I'm guilty of this as well, that our responses to when things don't go our way are quick, not Christ-honoring oftentimes, right? I-24, need I say more, right? Uh, you know, so we, we, you know, when we begin to this active submission, we are really getting a freedom from the burden of always getting our way. Because what is submission? Submission is putting the needs of others before ourselves. So when you begin to put the others need, other needs of people before your own needs, you can take a deep breath when things don't go your way. You, you can begin to say, okay, that thing doesn't govern me. I'm governed by something higher, someone higher. You know, that thing doesn't control me. Me fighting to get my way isn't what's going to dictate whether my day is a good day or not. What is going to dictate that is that I am his and he is mine. And so uh, it frees us from the burden of always getting our way, you know. Uh, and this is what we do in, in all of our relational contexts. When we fight to get our way, that's what ends up happening. We end up fighting, right? Our marriages become boxing rings and our workplaces become war zones. And we fight. Right? I mean, you fight in your, your marriages, you fight with your kids, you fight with coworkers, you, you fight with churches. Well, let me tell you where the source of that comes from. Look at James chapter 4, verse 1. James asks the question, then he answers it. He says, what causes quarrels and causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have. You're frustrated because... You're not getting your way. So you murder. You covet and you can't obtain. You don't get your way. So you fight and quarrel. This is what happens in our, in our own context. In other words, we, we fight because we want our own way. We fight because we're putting ourselves above other individuals. We, we fight because we're fighting for our own kingdom. We fight because we believe we're more important. So, and, and really, it's so foolish when we think about it because typically we get in fights over things that are very trivial, right? We, get in, we, we, we fight over things that in the end, at the end of the day don't really matter, but they frustrated us or, or, or put us on edge in such a way that, it, that because we're fighting for our own kingdoms oftentimes, instead of having a, a posture of submission, that we get thrown off. And so there's, there's freedom, there's freedom uh, from this burden of getting our own way, which also leads to, to, to fighting. Of course, it, another thing that, you know, fighting, getting our own way gets us, not just fighting, but it also gets us anxiety, worry. Uh, you, in other words, like, how do we learn to say in our heart, it's not a big deal? This is not a big deal. Um, but this isn't our normal, this isn't our normal mode of operating, is it? You know, when things don't go our way, we say, oh, this is a big deal. You know, this, this, this is a real problem. You know, and, and you begin to worry. You begin to stress and have anxiety uh, about those things, right? And, and you're, not, you're, not, uh, you're not really stressing over things of you know, huge importance. When you, if you evaluated your day at the end of the day, you're like, why did I worry about that? Why did I stress about that? All of a sudden, what happened was I was realizing I wasn't getting my way or what I wanted or thought should happen. That created great anxiety and stress in my life, in my heart, and in my mind. How much does a, a posture of submission kill that? It kills it. 
Because when you're not fighting for getting your own way, you can say, okay, fine. It's not a big deal. This is what the Lord would have for this relationship or this scenario, and so be it. You know, believe it or not, um, you know, I work with a bunch of pastors. Often, uh, most of us, especially our senior team, are all type A personalities. Uh, so believe it or not, we can disagree. Some would call it fighting. Uh, some would call it fun. Uh, those are the really type A's of, among us. And, uh, and, and, and so here's the deal. Sometimes I, I, I handle that one or two ways, typically on how closely I'm walking with the Lord. Um, one way is that we, you know, we'll be, and we're passionate. We, we, you know, we're not passionate about things that don't matter. We're passionate about things that matter for the church. We, 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 we want to do what we think honors the Lord best and lead a church in a way that honors the Lord best and, and present the gospel in a way that honors the Lord best. And so we are all got opinions because we're all pastors, right? We're all teachers that have opinions, right? We get together. And so we're passionate about those things. And there are times when we get into it and, and passionate about those things. And I walk away from that very frustrated because I didn't get my way, which is very rare because I'm pretty loud. Um, I, I, anyway, uh, but we, and I walk away from that and I'm frustrated and I'm like, I didn't get my way. Well, what happens when I'm fighting for my own kingdom? Here's what happens. I either, I, I either like uh, spew that out on other coworkers or on my family. Right, and you ain't gonna believe what this guy did today, you know. Uh, and 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 I begin to create all this like anxiety and stress and worry or anger or frustration simply because I'm fighting for my own kingdom. When I'm typically, typically when I'm walking closer to the Lord, I can submit myself to these other pastors because I know. Uh, and we have a very healthy culture. We're able to fight and walk out of there knowing we got each other's back. But, th- but when I'm submitting to them, I can say, okay, that is, you know, even though I don't agree with this decision, I think a different decision will be better. I can submit myself to that knowing that we all have the best interests of the church in mind. And then what happens? Because I've submitted, I've put it to other, others before myself. I've submitted to one another. I can walk out of there not spewing on my family, not giving that to coworkers. Right, So you, our posture and submission really dictates how we respond to the same scenarios. And so if we have a posture that is one of submission to one another, we can believe the best about one another and begin to serve uh, you know, the body in that way. Uh, now, a- another blessing in that, so it frees us from you know, our own frustration, frees us from, from anxiety, but it also uh, releases us from anger and bitterness when people don't act towards us the way we think they should act towards us, right? This, again, you get cut off in traffic. How do you respond? Uh, This, if you do this, it would be a lot fewer flip-offs on the interstate, okay? It should be. How you respond to this, how you respond when someone acts towards you uh, wrongly, This, for me, maybe for you too, this is the telltale sign of really how closely I'm walking to the Lord and how much I'm practicing the habit of submission. Because it is, it is hard not to fight for my own rights and kingdom and way. It's difficult. 
But I believe that's the way of, of the Lord. And, and proof of that, um, you know, it, because Jesus has called us to obey him in certain ways that we can't obey him in these ways if we're constantly fighting for our, being right or, or being treated rightly. For instance, Matthew 5, says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Did you hear, hear that? When was the last time you've done that? Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. It does not say fight back. It does not say put a vague post on Facebook that is about them, but you don't really call them out. It doesn't say that. It says pray for those. Love them and pray for those who persecute you. How can you do that unless you are submissive? You can't. So that's, that's the first blessing, I believe. It, it frees us from the burden of always getting our way. The second blessing is that it helps us to find fulfillment. Now, this is countercultural because culture says you're going to be fulfilled by, by pursuing your own goals and dreams. Right? That if you get to the top of something, that's when you'll experience self-fulfillment. Right? And, and we're taught that from birth, that we must seek self-fulfillment in order to be blessed. But, 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 but Jesus, I think, says that's really a bridge to nowhere. Look what he says in Matthew 10, 39. He says this, whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses it for my sake will find it. You see the upside downness of this kingdom. It's, it's different. You see, he says, whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. There's in Andre Agassi's autobiography, um, for those of you who don't know, Andre Agassi was a famous tennis player, and uh, he wrote a book called Open. This is, again, his autobiography. He says this little quote here. He says, in the morning, we catch the Concorde to Paris and then a private plane to Palermo. And I'm barely settled into my hotel room when the phone rings. It's Perry. In my hand, Perry says, I hold the latest rankings. Andre says, hit me with it. You are number one. Andre says, I've knocked Pete off of the mountaintop. After 82 weeks at number one, Pete's looking up at me. I'm the 12th tennis player to be number one in two decades since they started keeping computer rankings. The next person who phones is a reporter. I tell him, I'm happy about the rankings, that it feels good to be the best I can be. It's a lie. This isn't at all what I feel. It's what I want to feel. It's what I expected to feel. It's what I tell myself to feel, but in fact, I feel nothing. I spend many hours roaming the streets of Palermo, drinking strong black coffee and wondering what the heck is wrong with me. I did it. I'm the number one tennis player on earth, and yet I feel empty. If being number one feels empty, unsatisfying, what's the point? Why not just retire? You can have the world. What does it gain a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? 
Look at Tiger Woods. He should stop playing golf. His body is no good anymore for golf. But he can't. Why? Because he's looking for fulfillment. He thinks if he beats the record, the master's record, that he'll be fulfilled. And he won't be. He will not be. And Jesus says that fulfillment doesn't come from focusing all, all, all of our energy and talents on fulfilling our dreams, but on denying ourselves, taking up our cross and following him. That's where life is found. We deny ourselves for others, for his glory. And I think it's a double blessing because not only uh, do you find fulfillment, but you're also freed from the hamster wheel of trying to chase something that you think will be fulfilling and it never will be. Self-denial and submission is the way to fulfillment in the kingdom. Now, the third way that submission brings blessing to us is that it's a blessing because we can discover our, our calling, our calling. Uh, the life we find really has nothing to do, uh, or, or let me say it like this. The life that we, that we find has a lot to do with God's will for our lives, finding God's will for our lives and, and living that. You know, our fulfillment in doing what God has created us to do uh, is, is invaluable. It's, it's what he has saved us and made us to do. Learning that and fulfilling that is the best. So finding out what is God's purpose for saving me? What is his purpose for my life, right? And you, you can't discover that by focusing on yourself. Can't do it. You know, Peter, you look at the disciples. Peter, uh, you know, was a part of an occupation. He was fishing, and Jesus said to him, follow me. And he dropped his nets, dropped his occupation, and followed Jesus. And therein, discovering his purpose, as did all the apostles, and as should we. Now, to be clear, vocations are different than occupations, right? Occupations is what you do. You know, it's where you work, whereas vocations are particular callings that God puts on our lives. So sometimes those might overlap, that your vocation and your occupation overlap. Oftentimes they don't, and you have to begin to utilize your occupation to, to, to mobilize your vocation. You understand? And so, so, but finding out what God has wired us, what he has vocation us to do, what he has made us to do is huge for us. And, and, and really the only way that you're going to discover this is by submitting, is, is by, by, by submission, right? You know, you can say, well, no, I think you should probably look at your spiritual gifts, your talents, your experiences. Sure, those things are helpful, but the way that you're going to really figure out what God has vocation for you to do is by submission, by submitting yourself. Now, uh, often, uh, let me explain it like this, because I often get asked, and I got asked actually, uh, this uh, young man at a camp I preached this summer said, hey, how do you know you're called to ministry. He was feeling a call to go to, to be a missionary in Africa. And I said, he said, how do you know you're being called? And, you know, this was a long conversation, but I, but boiled down to a couple of things. One, 
uh, that you are, uh, you know, it's, it's obedience to the scripture, right? You're, you, the Bible is the primary way in which God speaks unto us and calls us to particular things. Second thing um, that I told him is that you have a desire for it. You know, the scriptures also talks about he gives you the desires of your heart. Now, he might change your desires to, to move you to a particular place or do something particular in your life. But the third one, and, and, and pertinent to this particular message, is that the church has to affirm that calling in your life. God uses the body of believers to call out your giftings and what God is doing in your own soul in life, that that he uses the church to affirm those things uh, in you. Now, what does that mean? Uh, It means that you have to, in order for the church to be able to see what you're doing, is that you have to submit and to serve the body, for the body to be able to say, yes, we can see this in you. Right? I've had plenty of dudes come to me and be like, and young gals too, come to me and be like, hey, I'm called to ministry. And I say, no, you're not. You don't even like people. How do you feel like you're called to ministry? Right? And they, and they begin to say, and I give them the spiel, you need to serve in the church. And they begin serving and no one even likes them. And it's just like, it lasts a couple months. And they're like, oh, maybe I'm not called to ministry. I'm like, you should have listened to me. <laughs> Uh, but for these guys and girls that feel called to ministry, I say, all right, here's what you need to do. And contrary to most everything else you'll hear, it's not, okay, here's what you got to do. You got to, you know, build your influence and you got to get a, be a better leader. And there's some, some, some facts of this that are true, but not as a whole thing. You need to build your social media platform. You need to, you need to grow this and do this and, and begin to will and influence. no. What you do is you get into the church and you serve them. You submit. And what is true of the scriptures when it says, he who humbles himself will be exalted and he who exalts himself will be humbled is absolutely true. It's true for every minister and it's true for every believer. That we submit ourselves to the body, we serve And in so doing, God uses the church to begin to call out our vocation in our life, that you have people that come alongside you and say, I see you are gifted at this. I see God using you here. I see that you're serving this area. And it's such a blessing to our people and our church. I praise God for you, for how you're serving in the church. And God begins to raise up in you what he's called you and created you to do. What greater thing is there for you to stand before the God, your maker, and say, I am doing what I believe you have made me and saved me to do. Is there anything greater? And so the only way you're going to get there is by submitting. Not what you think you're good at. Not what you think your giftings are. If you, if you left it up to that, then, you know, it, you, th- that's why people go on American Idol that think they can sing. <laughs> Y'all have been in churches like that before, hadn't you? <laughs> oh, law. It was a special music, all right. Uh, but no, when you begin to humble yourself and serve the body, the body begins to call out your giftings and how God has wired you and made you and says, this, this is what you were created to do. This is what you were made to do. Now, those are the ways in which I think God will bless you through submitting. Sounds easy, right? <laughs> easy enough? Um, you, you know, 
we have to deal with why then do we, if, if submission brings such blessing to us, why then do we submit so little? And I think by and large, we don't submit because we don't trust God to take care of us. I think submission requires a trust in God, which is founded in the cross. And I want to read to you, this is 1 Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 21. 1 Peter 2, 21 says, For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you. And then look at this. Leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. That one stings. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued, and look at this, entrusting himself to him, God the Father, who judges justly. In essence, God the Son trusted God the Father. He knew God the Father has a plan, is sovereign over all things, and, and if someone were to wrong him or to revile him or him to walk through suffering, it doesn't come without the very hand and will of God with it. And that God is using it for some purpose to, 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 do, to do something or to accomplish something. And so when we don't humble ourselves and submit to each other, what we're saying is we don't trust you, God, that you can work through our own humility. We've got to fight for our own kingdoms. We've got to get our own or we're not going to get it. This is the race of the world that is not in the Bible. He entrusted himself to him who judges justly. It's hard to do that when we're wronged, isn't it? It's hard to trust that God is the one who will take out vengeance. It's hard for me not to bite back with my words when I've been bitten. It's difficult. It's hard for me not to revile when I've been reviled. It's hard for me not to revile first. And this is the posture of Christ, that we're to submit to one another. And then I said this last week. I'll reiterate this again, church. Think about it. God the Son has no beginning and no end. Scripture says that in him, we live and move and have our being. In him and through him and to him were all things created. He, in his hands, holds our very existence. He governs all things. He sits at the right hand of the Father. He reigns as king. And he submitted himself to a cross. didn't have to. He could have left us damned. He submitted himself to a cross. And even on the cross, he could have called down legions of angels to, to kill everyone. 
but he silently endured the cross, submitting himself. This whole series, let me be clear, these habits won't save you. You need to understand that. You can pray, you can read your Bible, and you can fast, and those things alone will land you in hell. The only way to be right with God is to, to fall on your knees and trust Jesus in faith that his work on the cross is good enough to save you. Not your own merit, your own works. But these habits are what God uses to continue mold us into the image of Christ. And if we claim to be Christians, then we should also be submissive as Christ is submissive. Submitting himself to the cross, enduring its shame. This is what Jesus has done as an example for us that we would do the same thing. And then we begin to not trust God by saying, well, you can't give us these things. If Jesus, if God through his son can give us the most important thing, namely our salvation, will he not also take care of our needs? Look at Romans 8, 32. It says, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? So you submit for your good. You kill your own kingdom for his kingdom. You die to self so that Christ might live in you. So do you believe submission is good for you? Do you ask yourself what God is asking you to submit to from your daily Bible readings? What is he calling you to submit to in your own life? that you're not submitting to? What, what it, are you living a life that is pleasing to him? Have you committed? Have you bowed your knee? Every aspect of your life, have you committed it to him? Have you submitted to him as Lord? You know, how um, men, how, does, how you lead your family, what does that say about his lordship over your life? What is the things that you care about and dream about and fantasize about? What does that say about his lordship? Ladies, how is your leadership in your family and, and how you are treating your husband and children, what does that say about his lordship in your life? What, how does your worry, what does it say about our God? How are you repenting of your own sins when you're convicted? Are you? Do you have times of conviction where you repent of those things and turn to him. These are acts of submission unto God, bowing our knee and trusting him. What about your family? Are you submitting to them? Philippians 2, 4 says, let each of you look not to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Are you listening to each other? Or are you just talking at each other? How are you submissive to your neighbors? When they're in need, do you help them? You look for ways that you can be a blessing to your neighbors. What about your church? How are you submissive to your church? Are there jobs and ministries here that are under you? What about those in our community? How are you serving the community? Those who are in Christ, 
How does our community know? If you are a Christian, how does anyone know that? What do you, how are you submissive to anyone? This is hard. This is difficult because it is truly a killing of our own kingdom. You know, it's easy for us. I think it's easy for us to come in and do the Christian thing, right? We, we get saved and we, you know, we, we're walking, we're doing, we're doing church life. But where, when rubber starts meeting the road and, and Jesus says, truly says to us, you must deny yourself, take up your cross and follow him. That's where he loses a lot of people. Because it's so much easier to fight for our own kingdom. That's natural in us. That's sin in us. Than to be submissive to one another. And I believe that being submissive has the opportunity to bless us in our life if we would commit to that. Now, I think we need to ask the Lord to help us because... I don't know if you do this very easily, but I know I don't. So I'm going to ask the Lord to, act, to, to move in our hearts in such a way to, to, to help us commit to submitting to one another. So let's pray. Father, um, the scriptures are full of examples of how you've called us to live for your kingdom and not our own. I'm thinking now about the rich young ruler who you wanted to follow you but wasn't really willing to give up his own kingdom. I think about how you told the disciples that they, they want to be great in the kingdom, they must serve. How you washed feet of those disciples. I'm thinking about how um, you, you said that we must take up our cross, deny ourselves, and follow you. And I'm thinking about the cross and how glory himself <laughs> submitted himself to be killed by us. And it was my sin that held you there. And you submitted to it. You submitted to the Father. You trusted. That's incredible. I want to be like that. So often I'm not, Lord. You know that full well. I want to be like that, though. I want our church to be like that. God, would you help us to be submissive to one another? Help us to be, first and foremost, submissive to you. You are calling us, maybe many in this room, to do something that they have not done. Maybe you've called them to kill a sin in their life or to obey you in some way, to step into some vocation that you're calling them to do. I pray, God, that we would submit to that. And I pray that we would love one another enough 
that we would serve one another, submit to one another, put others' needs above our own. What a beautiful church that is. As you walk down the halls and everyone is looking for how they might serve one another, submit to one another, that's, that's kingdom right there. And we pray for that, Lord. And we know that that only happens by the Holy Spirit's power moving in our hearts and souls. And we want that. We ask you to move in that way. Well, what a work that would be. Free us, God, from fighting for our own kingdoms. It gets tiring. That's why we're so miserable. Help us to find true life in Christ. We love you and we need you. And uh, we ask that you would work on our behalf in this way. In Christ's name we pray, amen.